Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast. In our Inside the Sports Car series, we have a special edition for you. Two episodes in one day. Just posted our standard weekly edition of Inside the Sports Car Paddock. Led off by Jeff Brown, Supreme Race Engineer, educating us on the use and value of shaker rigs and a variety of other guests on that show. Now we have the WEC World Endurance Championship Prologue Special, captured by my friends DailySportsCar.com's Graham Goodwin and Stephen Kilby. Those two crazy folks open up in Barcelona with a nice, healthy walk down pit lane, looking at the new teams, different teams, different drivers, all the things folks can look forward to in this upcoming 2019 to 2020 FIAWEC Super Season following their walk move into a nice collection of interviews beginning with my man gustavo menezes fellow californian rebellion racing driver as well talking about rebellions 2019 to 20 season what he expects to happen there with his role in the team as a veteran and also speaks about their effort at the prologue next we move to the aco sporting director my friend vincent beaumanil catches up about equivalence of technology and how that has not worked to date to balance LMP1 hybrid and non-hybrid cars and now that they are moving to balance of performance definitely gets into that conversation and theme and also speaks about the hypercar announcements at Le Mans. Next we move to Johnny Adam, Aston Martin Racing Factory driver competing with the TF Sport team in the WEC speaking about the upcoming season and the new Vantage AMR also offers his thoughts on the big GTE AM entry in the new success ballast rules. Move to another friend of the show, Lawrence Tomlinson, CEO of Genetic Cars, talking about Team LNT's effort at the prologue, their new G60 LT P1 cars development. Also thoughts on EOT changes this upcoming season and bringing back the Team LNT name to sports car racing. We're sticking with the team principal theme, that being Sam Hignett from Jota Sport and also the Jackie Chan DC Racing effort. Talking about a lot of burning topics in LMP2, why the team has been split into two this year, their choice of tires, thoughts on hypercar, and how that might impact LMP2. Then we get into the final interviews, that being James Collado with the AF Course GTE Pro Ferrari effort. Talking about winning Le Mans. The upcoming season here, faults in the Ferrari 488 GT Evo. Also the competition in pro with fewer cars now that we have both Ford and BMW exiting the effort there. Slide into Alex Lynn next, another Aston Martin Racing Factory driver, looking at their upcoming season in GTE Pro. The struggles they had during the last season getting to grips with the new car and exactly what did happen at Le Mans, the car on pole and then going absolutely nowhere in the race. And we close this 25th episode of Inside the Sports Car Paddock, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, with Anders Fjordback from the high-class racing LMP2 effort, talking about the team's step up to the WEC from the ELMS, thoughts on moving to Goodyear Tires as well, and expectations of Kenta Yamashita who comes in via the Toyota Gazoo Racing Development effort, where he currently leads the Super GT points, now part of the team's program. So that's it. Episode 25, Prologue Special, 
brought to us by not only Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, but also Graham Goodwin and Stephen Kilby of DailySportsCar.com. And let's get going with those two lovely lads in their walk down pit lane at the Prologue. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast inside the Sports Car Paddock WC Prologue Special here at Barcelona. It's me, Stephen Kilby, Racer.com's WC correspondent and deputy editor of DailySportsCar.com. And with me is the editor of DailySportsCar.com and Marshall's co-host, Graham Goodwin. And we're going to do a bit of a pit walk before we get into the nitty-gritty of talking to some of the personalities who are here for the Prologue test before the 2019-20 season. Graham, welcome along. We're going to start at one end of the pit lane with Proton competition and we're going to work all our way down to the scrutineering bay. How are you feeling? Blisteringly hot. It's been blisteringly hot, hasn't it, for the entire weekend. We uh, luckily ducked some really heavy thunderstorms just before we arrived for the uh, the LMS weekend. Lots of uh, good racing, uh, fast action there with that packed grid for the uh, LMS and the Michelin Mon Cup. 30 cars here now for the WC Prologue. Not quite the uh, the full entry for the season. Just one or two cars, uh, one or two cars missing. But lots and lots of stories. You're right here with Dempsey Proton. They've had a busy weekend already. One of the teams that carried over from the LMS. And lucky they did have the WC Prologue because they needed one of their WC cars earlier on the week where one of the, uh, well, in fact, the one car that had in the LMS was dinged in first three practice, did more damage than they could fix here at Barcelona. Uh, so we had to bring the WC number 88 car into service. That was completely rebodied. Uh, and it's now been rebodied back again and uh, re-prepped for its service here for the WEC. So Christian Reed and the boys and girls at uh, Dempsey Proton have had a busy start to the week. Mm, certainly have. And next door to them, we've got the Racing Team Netherlands effort, and they're one of one of two teams in LMP2 that have changed chassis for for this season. They've got an Orca, haven't they? Well, they've changed two things. Uh, changed chassis, changed team now with TDS Racing. Great to see Francois Perodo here catching up with his old team. We'll talk about Francois' car this year in a few minutes. Uh, but yeah, Fritz van Erd um, continues with the Minardi tribute livery. Looks fantastic in the yellow and black, this Orica. Uh, and we'll have four drivers driving this weekend, or this week, rather. They keep saying weekend. It's midweek, isn't it? Uh, Fritz joined by, of course, Guido van der Garde, Nick de Vries. That is the full-season crew carried over. But for a couple of races this season, going to be uh, joined not by uh, Nick de Vries, currently leading the F2 Championship, of course, but by coming man in LMP2, Job van Utrecht. He's here to drive the car. Um, and looks like we're going to be seeing a little bit more of him in WC as well as the LMS and probably elsewhere because after a blistering run yesterday in the LMS, dominant win by a lap with the G-Drive Racing team, also, by the way, with, um, uh, with TDS Racing. Uh, I just think that guy's career looks like it's going to be going into the stratosphere. First opportunity, by the way, to talk about tyres and uh, tyre battle that's going to be underway in LMP2 in the WEC and a returning name, of course, to international endurance racing with Goodyear. And Goodyear um, certainly have tyres on this uh, number 29 car and several others beyond. It's going to be another thing to keep an eye on, keep an ear on for the coverage we give to the WEC through the season. Next up, we've got a garage which is going to get a lot of attention this week. It's going to be very busy, and that is the Porsche Motorsport team. We've got two GT Pro cars again, but it's a new car, isn't it, Graham? It's a new car. It's a new look to the car. So the Porsche 911 RSR-19, another snappy title there, 
Uh, different livery than we've seen before. Keeps that key Porsche white. The base colour is white with some red, some grey uh, and some black. And the, the grey and the white uh, in the details on these cars are reversed between the 91 and the 92. Loses a lot in the telling but gives us an opportunity to have a bit more of a visual clue as to which car is blasting by us defending world champions of course in the 92 the 91 will be looking to reverse their fortunes of coming second last year and we'll we'll all be looking forward to hearing what it sounds like because the the older spec car sounds phenomenal up close doesn't it it's going to be quieter without a shadow of a doubt uh, instead of the straight through pipes uh, through the rear diffuser this has got a side exit exhaust uh, it will be quieter uh, it's going to be for me about the quality of the sound rather than just the uh, the the the, um, the quantity if you like of it but let's wait and see what comes forward next up Stephen it's the unique thing that WEC brings to international race uh, race meetings yes LMP1 and Rebellion I think it's safe to say it's been an odd odd month for them or since Le Mans with the news that they won't be bringing two cars to Silverstone for the opening round of the season it remains to be seen whether they will run two cars but they have got two cars here at the prologue and they will be running both of them they'll be running both of them with full driver squads for both it'll be one car for the full season I believe they've withdrawn the other car as a full season entrant but they will retain the right or retain rather the, uh, the request to run a second car at selected races that might only be Spa and Le Mans next year but the one and the three are here all over carbon and an interesting lineup of drivers here some familiar names to the team with Bruno Senna uh, with Gustavo Menezes Natalio Berton who joined the team from uh, Sebring onwards but then Norman Nato is here as well and Felipe Nazar is here as well both men we know capable of being very quick indeed in prototype race cars and let's wait and see whether or not they've got a future in LMP1 well both rebellions are in bare carbon and next door there are two more bare carbon um, prototypes and that's the Jota and the Jackie Chan DC Racing Orica 07s. Uh, they'll both be sampling Goodyear's and I think it's safe to say that for Goodyear and for a team like this, this is going to be an important week, testing out those new tyres. It's important for Goodyear, replacing the Dunlop brand, of course, in the uh, FI World Endurance Championship, but with a brand new range. It's not just relabeled Dunlops, it's a brand new set of... Uh, uh, brand new selections of tyres as indeed by the way are all of the Michelins in all of the classes this year so it's all new tyres for 2019 we'll talk a little bit about that when we get next door to the garage we're at now uh, yet still to finally declare their selection at Jota Sport but the fact that they've got a massive Goodyear brand on the side sort of tells the story as to where the favoured choice is going to be different look for the 38 with the three drivers from uh, last year's Dragon Speed effort, so a race-winning effort, of course, with Ant Davidson, Ricardo Gonzalez, and uh, Pastor Maldonado. At the moment, Pasta is having a seat fit in the 38 car. They transfer over to Jota Sport, and Jota Sport, despite the fact they're a very well-known name to those of us that kind of prowl the paddocks in international endurance racing, their first effort under their own name in the Full World Endurance Championship this season with this car. Fantastic, and. More GT Pro cars coming up next. It's the Aston Martin Racing effort. They've only got two cars out of the three that they're going to be bringing to the championship. They've got the 97 in Pro and the 98, which is an AM car. And this is the first time, Graham, we've seen the number 98 as the current spec Vantage. Uh, and the current spec Vantage and in the, uh, the current factory livery as well. So the three cars are going to carry... Uh, 
broadly the same livery. There will be some differences in some of the styling cues, as always, on this car. Though, oddly, uh, both at the moment are carrying red slash orange highlights of the car. We'll wait and see whether or not that carries through to the season. 95 car is not here. It doesn't have to be here. The, the rule is one car per class, per team, as per the, uh, the entry. The irritation, I guess, for Aston Martin, and I genuinely don't know what the answer is to the other two factory teams, is they will not have the 2019 Michelin rubber here. Don't know whether that's going to be the case for the Ferrari guys or for the Porsche guys. Aston Martin have confirmed that they won't. They're not very happy about the timing of this test. And they're not going to have all their drivers by the end of this one either because a great number of them are going to be heading to the Spa 24 Hours. And I believe it's 17 drivers are going to be racing at Spa 24 Hours and competing at Prolog. Uh, that's absolutely right, 17 drivers. And a degree of controversy we're trying to pit unpick at the moment as to a bit of a late potential change in the sporting regulations for Spa, which might mean that some of these guys have to miss an awful lot of running. Waiting for that one to play its way out, but it does seem that there has been a play by somebody uh, in the organisation around the Spa 24 Hours to effectively say, you're not allowed to present a force majeure argument for not attending the driver's briefing on Wednesday in Spa if you're attending another motorsport event. It doesn't strike me as being the most sensible way to carry forward with two well, one massive international uh, sporting event in the Spa 24 Hours and clearly something that's designed to promote another massive uh, sporting championship, the FI World Endurance Championship. These guys need to get it sorted. In front of us next is Cool Racing's Orica and they're another team, Graham, that's been here for a while at Barcelona because they were, they were in um, the European Le Mans Series meeting over the weekend and I think it's safe to say that they look ready for this. They've come up from P3 into P2 racing in the ELMS. They're now doing the WC and they look up for it. They look great. I mean, we had the uh, Alexander Coigny, uh, Antonin Borger and, of course, the Mercurial, now four times LMP2 winning Le Mans driver, uh, that is Nico Lapierre and they were right in the mix uh, in Barcelona all the way through that race a little bit of bad luck uh, a couple of strategy calls but uh, yeah I think they're going to be a force in the, uh, in the FI World Endurance Championship in this their first year more to the point really emotional uh, in a very positive way display from this team uh, this is something these guys have absolutely dreamed of. Nico Lapierre has been brought on board to add some, some fire in the belly of that effort, to add some steel behind the way in which it's delivered, and that plan appears to be working. Got a striking car in front of us now, Graham. It's TF Sports' new Aston Martin Vantage, which I believe was very, very, very new, and it only has a handful of kilometres on the clock because they only just received it a few days ago. And it's striking because it's in red. You know what? Um, sometimes you can think, oh, it's another red Ferrari, that's a bit boring. Somehow, we saw this car for the first time yesterday evening in the, as the sun started to go down. It looks amazing. It's red with black details on it. I think this is going to be a standout fan favourite this year. It does look astonishing. It really, really suits the very different look of the current Aston Martin. Uh, and in particular, the rear-end view of this thing, uh, you have the massive rear diffuser that the current GTE class actually encourages that is going to be a fan favourite there's no doubt in my mind and a contender because we expect Sally Yollock Johnny Adam and Charlie Eastwood to do the full season as a trio this time there's going to be no rotating third chair as I understand it at TF Sport this year so I think they're going to be amongst the top dogs in GTM they are certainly a team that is looking to do all they can to give Sally Yollock an opportunity for a title winning run Sally very keen to commit to uh, you know a future in endurance racing that may not just be in, uh, in uh, a GTE and there might well be prototypes in the future we've got the uh, 
one of these, the uh, factory Ferraris, the 71 car, cranking over at the moment, so we're just going to stay clear of that. New base colour for those cars, as these ever-smiling Eduardo Freitas, our race director. Eduardo, for the inside of the sports car paddock, I'm going to ask you to do one thing and one thing only. I never ask you this. Countdown from 10 to 1. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Green flag. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. The voice. Ed- <laughs> Eduardo, an absolute star of the FIWC. Um, so, yeah, next door to them is MR Racing, another one of the GT Yam teams, and what was a huge entry this year. And I think they're going to be back for more and hoping for some better results. Yeah, another car with a revised livery. As I said, said earlier, the, uh, the AF Corsa cars move off from that pearlescent Rosso colour. Uh, we're going to move away from that car because it is very, very loud in pit lane now uh, to a more, a deeper, flatter red. But look great, actually, the two pro cars. Brand new cars here this weekend, as they always are for the FI World Endurance Championship. They always run a new car. We always look at the history of these cars as we come by at the start of every season. And there's one of them that is particularly special. N- nothing against the 70 car. That is the car that raced for the team last year. But the car next door, which is the 62 Red River Sport car, that'll be Johnny Molan with his clients at Red River Sport Agency, Bon Grimes, and Charlie Hollings, and Gritzy Charlie getting a go. And I'm going to ask you, Stephen Kilby, to have a look through the windscreen at the firewall and tell me what you see. I can see, I believe, that this is the number 51 car from this, Pro last season. This is the Le Mans winning car um, from the Super Season. It is the Le Mans winning car in the 70th anniversary year of Ferrari, that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the most valuable racing Ferraris in contemporary uh, sports car racing. Looking behind, by the way, they're just about putting together the uh, the all-car uh, photographs. We might miss one or two of the cars. Just see the Golf Racing Porsche popping on through. New driver lineup for that car, although a very familiar-looking livery. But yet, the 51 car from last year, the Le Mans winning car, becomes the 62 car uh, for Red River Sport this year. No pressure, boys. Keep it on the island. <laughs> Then we've got the 83 car. Now, this is, we talked about Francois Perodo a little earlier. This is going to be Francois' weapon for the 2019-2020 uh, uh, World Endurance Championship. Of course, a championship title he won just a few years ago in GTM. Goes back to that after a couple of adventurous years in LMP2. And I think he's quite happy to be back. That car, by the way, playing the same game, has 57. Pop quiz, Stephen. What was from the car 57 last, year, last season? Car 57. Car 57. It was Car Guy. Uh, That was the Car Guy car from the Le Mans 24 Hours. Then we have the 54, another returning effort in GTM. This is the Vistajet-sponsored Spirit of Race car, Thomas Fleur, with uh, ex-Formula One star Giancarlo Fisichella and the man with the most Italian name in history, Francesco Castellacci, uh, will be aboard the 54 car. We're not done yet, though, with A, of course, because there's one more car. And this car, Stephen marks the return to the World Endurance Championship with a prototype from AF Corsa because no longer is it Settler for Loba Corsa Settler Racing with AF Corsa is the, uh, is the car now. Before we talk about this car we're going to turn around and uh, we're going to look at one of the biggest stories here at Barcelona and we're going to watch this car just be towed by on its way to the uh, to the uh, the photograph because this is the number 5 Ginetta, Ginetta AER, one of two with Team LNT, 
and uh, the car's finished in almost all over carbon but with some brilliant kind of vinyl highlights with the Ginetta logo and some white and uh, orange Ginetta key lines. If you were at the Le Mans 24 Hours or you watched the YouTube video we did of the GT, sorry, the LMP3 cars together, it's exactly the same livery on both of the LMP1 cars. We'll be down there in just a couple of moments uh, to talk about those cars. But before we do that, we're going to talk to one of the drivers that is here to drive this car. It is a bit of a surprise package, uh, the eight-driver lineup for the test. I'm welcoming to Inside the Sports Car Paddock to, well, I've just described you as a bit of a surprise package for Ginetta <laughs> here at the uh, WC Prologue. But say hello to the listeners. Uh, 2003 Le Mans 24 Hour, uh, Le Mans 24 Hours overall winner and 2011 American Le Mans Series champion Guy Smith. Guy, I thought you joined uh, Johnny Mullen on the retirement kind of home. Yeah, I'm definitely taking a, st- a leaf out of the Johnny Mullen retirement book. In fact, I just pulled him up on it just now. I just saw him. He said, I thought you'd retired. I said, yeah, I thought you'd retired too. So, uh, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, it's just, it's just uh, you know, it's good fun. Um, obviously, you know, good friends with Ginetta and, and Lawrence. And, um, you know, I know Michael Simpson uh, really well, Ginetta. So, the opportunity came to, to, to test the car and uh, give some feedback on it. And um, had, a, had a run at uh, Paul Ricard recently and was, super, you know, massively impressed by the package. And uh, obviously come along to the prologue here to drive drive it again some more, and uh, yeah, just enjoying being back in the car really, and a little bit rusty, but uh, but it's certainly you know great a great car to be behind the wheel of. You know a thing or two about prototype driving though, don't you guys? So I'm sure they'll value every bit of feedback you've got. Well, you know, if I can add some value, that's that's the main thing. Main thing is is sort of blowing off the cobwebs as it were, and then it's starting to come back to me a little bit now. Obviously, having the last five years in GT racing, you know, I've kind of had to learn the GT style and, and now having to relearn the, the prototype style but it's uh, as I said it's a lot of fun and the car is, is fantastic to drive and uh, it's very very engaging so uh, yeah to be here uh, you know with, with these guys is, is, is going to be a good, a good few days I can tell you're looking forward to it because you're grinning like a Cheshire cat and you haven't even driven here yet <laughs> don't mention Cheshire's blokes he's from Yorkshire don't, don't ever mention Cheshire he's just off on a track walk with the Geneta factory drivers and development drivers uh, Mike Simpson and the other bloke Charlie Robertson um, 2015 LMP3 champion from the European Le Mans series of course it's not the first time we've had a title run from Team LNT and prototypes we let them go blistering heat they'll be coming back looking red as a beetroot well you were going to say something about Delara I think before Guy rudely interrupted us yeah so um, in LMP2 this year we've got a bunch of Arcas as expected we've got no Ligiers but we have got a single Delara P217 from the Cessolar Racing guys as we mentioned before and I think with the backing of AF Corsa and with them behind the scenes they'll be hoping for some better results for than what they've achieved in the LMS. Yeah I think they will car looks stunning it's still got those uh, Pescarello green that's the pits in buzzer by the way Pescarello green highlights on the car it's not going to be easy to miss this car that lovely deep blue it's that two-tone blue uh, finish on it team that's looking to move on up uh, moving on up from the LMS up into LMP2 and they're already talking about what might happen beyond they have got their eye on whether or not hypercar might be something they might want to do at some point in the near future as uh, another new addition by the way goes bit back uh, behind us that is the United Autosports Orica 07 uh, that switch of course we wrote about that on racer.com and about dailysportscar.com about uh, what's behind that the other big change for United Autosports is when they win their next race we won't be listening to the US National Anthem anymore we'll be listening to a much better song God Save the Queen and we expect of course all listeners to Inside the Sports Car Paddock to stand when that is played 
Yeah, of course. I mean, when I spoke to Richard about it earlier, it, he said to me, you know, for a lot of it, well, pretty much the entire team of his guys are, are British, and it just would well, be say, nice. Well, they say British, Yorkshire. Well, yeah. And when they, when they win a race and they all crowd around the podium, it'd just be nice for them to hear their own national anthem for a change. Just a little bit of a change-up. Well, it's always been an Anglo-US team, uh, but there's been a bit of a change there within. It's not to say that there's been any change in ownership in the team. It's just it's another move on forward. Uh, they were flagged as British in both the Michelin and the World Cup and in the ELMS, which, by the way, was United Autosports' 300th race, which is pretty amazing stuff in GT3 in LMP3 and LMP2 in LMP2 different version of course in the Asia Le Mans series so what next what, what do we know next about uh, United Autosports we'll, we'll, we'll get to that next up though GT again yes a bit more uh, GT AM action here we've got two more Porsches this is Project 1 the now reigning champions in GT AM and, and the team that eventually won the Le Mans 24 hours in the class they've expanded to two cars and one of them, at least for the prologue, is in the art car livery that they ran along on the ship. Well, it's, uh, at the moment they're a two-chassis team. They will soon become a three-chassis team. One car, of course, dedicated to the ELMS. That car stays over for this prologue test. Hopefully they'll have their second or third car here for the opening round of the WC in Silverstone. You're right, the other car, uh, which will be in the art car livery from Le Mans. Don't expect to see that continuing for the full WC season, they may be just waiting for a little bit of an injection of cash and they can hand that bodywork as a little piece of artwork on the wall. But great to see, by the way, in the LMS and added to this squad for their full season WC efforts, uh, David Heimer Hansen. We mentioned a little bit earlier the Team LNT effort, the, uh, the two Genetta G60 LTP1s that are here for the prologue. It's great to see that chassis back in the FIA World Endurance Championship. Graham, there's a slight difference here, and that comes in the engine department. Well, yeah, it's a, if you like, it's a second change, albeit less dramatic change than we saw at the beginning of the programme. Obviously, the Genetta G60 started with the Mechachrome uh, turbo engine. Uh, and now we have the AER, but uh, the change you're talking about is the change to P60C uh, engine, the upgraded, lighter, a little bit more power, a little bit more torque um, engine, more reliability built into that. This is the engine that allowed SMP Racing, sadly now departed from the WC scene, to finish on the podium. Faultless run at the Le Mans, 24 hours. And I think there's lots of good stuff to come here this week. I know there's been a lot of talking down of LMP1. Watch this space. There's some big headlines to come on what's going to happen in LMP1 moving forward through this season and the Ginetta LMP1 team um, that designed built and have been developing this car and the team LNT squad that is here to operate this team alongside by the way here with the help of Algar Pro Racing team we've hung on from the LMS to help out with this team expanding to a two car effort here we'll wait to see what the final package and who it is is going to be collaborating with them uh, for the WEC and we heard from Guy Smith a little earlier. Some interesting drivers as well. Uh, you know, we've heard Stefan Riquelme. We've got, uh, who's the, uh, the Le Mans and Asia Le Mans Series LMP2 champion uh, with Alpine. We've got uh, Luca Giotto. He is currently running third in the F2 championship. He was here to talk about our future programme as well. He'll be in one of the cars. Uh, Mike Simpson and Charlie Robertson from Ginetta, of course. Uh, Matthias Besch from the Rebellion Racing team. Obviously, Matthias lost that drive uh, to commercial input from another driver earlier on this year. And um, 
Uh, two drivers from SMP Racing, Stefan Sarazan here to help with the chassis development of this test. Massive experience, of course, from Stefan, uh, not just in sports cars, but Formula One in Rally, uh, where he was a long time a Pirelli tyre tester, but then, of course, with both Peugeot and later Toyota as a factory driver before moving on to SMP Racing. So, a really interesting group of drivers, and they're not the only drivers that. Janetta are talking to and Team LNT are talking to about this programme. Lots of good stuff to come, some of which, trust me on this, is going to be great news for the fan base. Mm, I think everyone's going to want to see it. There were fan favourites when they turned up at the prologue at the start of the Super Season and at Le Mans, and I think that will only continue here. We're going to stroll now a couple of garages across, and it's Toyota Kazoo Racing, which is about to embark on the farewell tour for its TSO 50 hybrids. It's an amazing car, and you know what? Uh, I know there's been a lot of cynicism about there being no competition, and uh, blah, 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 blah. it's the most awesome race car on the planet. And yes, it's a shame that we've not got Porsche and that we've not got Audi, but that's not their fault. Um, it's now a matter of what do we do about seeing what can be done to get better competition across the LMP1 class with the, let's not forget, incredibly rapid uh, non-hybrid cars. What we need, though, is that that disparity in the way in which performance is delivered and, in particular, some of the rules and regulations around uh, losing time in the pit stops. That, frankly, needs to go. Let's wait and see what, actually, the decision is of the rule makers before we go racing in Silverstone. As a, for instance, though, it's worth saying this. At the Le Mans 24 Hours this year, the qualifying time put in by SMP Racing with the same engine, let's not forget, that's now in the back of those Ginettas. The two engines, by the way, here are the two unused spare engines from SMP Racing, the P60Cs. The, uh, the fastest of the SMP Racing cars was faster on its qualifying lap than any Porsche and than any Audi in history at the Le Mans 24 Hours. That means, for clarity, and by the way, any other Toyota prior to the TSO 50, that means that that car is, in terms of pure lap time, the second fastest car around the Le Mans circuit ever. And at the last test that I was at where those two cars uh, lapped together, the Ginetta and the S&P racing car, the difference between the two, without development rubber being a thing, was 0.021 of a second. Mm. Quick cars here. Yes, and I think they're... They'll be looking to show off their uh, their new aero package. So here we are at United Autosports. We mentioned briefly earlier that they've got an Orica, and this is huge news for the LMP2 class, isn't it? It's a real shift. It's a shift. In some ways, it's a bad thing that we've got less uh, less variety. In other ways, it's a good thing because clearly United Autosports believe they can be more competitive. We've got uh, Phil Hansen and Felipe Albuquerque talking to uh, race director Eduardo Freitas, who's clearly been stalking us down the, uh, the pit lane. Uh, counting down from 10 as he goes but uh, these guys uh, has explained to them you won't do this and you won't do that he knows exactly what he wants from this race he's not really this is this is part of the uh, the, the, the kind of paddock pace here is that the senior officials down here talking to some of the more experienced and less experienced drivers and just explaining exactly what it is uh, that's going to be happening on track here Anything he feels they need to know in the fringes of the driver's briefing, which is going to be another important part of the way the theatre of this test is going to, is going to pan out. But United, wanting more or less everything they've actually competed in, I've no doubt they're going to be highly competitive with Felipe Albuquerque, with Phil Hansen and with Paul De Resta in this Orica. No doubt whatsoever about it. We've seen that car, just been pushed uh, along buyers. We've seen too the Golf Racing 86 car with uh, fabulously Golf uh, liveried uh, garage. 
another empty garage at the moment but that's only because of that uh, that all cars uh, shot is currently being done on the pit straight high class racing team you and I know very well of course from the European Le Mans series they had difficult race yesterday with throttle problems was it? Yeah it was throttle problems little niggles, it's a real shame for them because it's their de facto home races, they're based just behind the circuit and a lot of their crew are very lo- very locally based so for them it was a bit of a shame but they've already shifted their focus to this event here at the WC Prologue, they've changed the livery on their current car because they're waiting on their new Oracle chassis which will do the rest of the WC season um, to arrive and the big news there is their third driver alongside Mark Patterson and Anders Fjordback, and that is Kenta Yamashita. Yeah, and Kenta Yamashita, a very much a coming man in the Toyota Gazoo racing family. Um, he is leading the Super GT Championship at the moment. He's won in just about everything he's ever uh, raced in. Uh, and there's no doubt in my mind, as we move towards a hypercar future for the uh, top level of sports car racing, that he, and actually another young man that's just uh, lurking outside the garage next door, we'll have a chat with him hopefully in a moment, uh, are going to have a part to play in that uh, that story. Uh, but uh, uh, other good news, by the way, because Mark Patterson is here and will drive and now recovered from that nasty injury he suffered at Monza early in the season with an unfortunate shunt in the wet at Monza that took out uh, both his and, unfortunately, his teammates' uh, Algar Pro Racing car. Uh, we're not going to get a chance to speak to this driver, I don't think. We might just see whether or not we're going to get a cheeky 30 seconds with Thomas Laurent, who is in the final garage um, in, the, uh, in the pit lane. We're going to see whether or not we can get a quick chat with Thomas, even if he's walking. Thomas Laurent, great to see you back in the WC, moving back with an LMP2 team with the Signatech Alpine uh, efforts. Now part, though, of a much more exciting phase in the career with... Uh, your role with Toyota Kazoo Racing. We saw you, yes, I did, saw you testing out with um, the team at Paul Ricard. Yeah. First time in the car? Uh, second, if you count the, the rookie test uh, two years ago in, in Bahrain. But yeah, first, first time uh, in this car. Uh, you, were, uh, you were testing this version of this car, so this, it looks to me to be significant changes to that car. It's not just detail. You're always kind of giving me that kind of, uh, I couldn't possibly comment, but uh, not that much different. Tell us a little about what the experience of driving that car is you've got a good yardstick with the rebellion from last year yeah sure uh, first of all i'm i'm lucky for this year because i'm uh, the the fourth uh, driver with toyota and uh, the number one uh, in uh, with alpine so it's a uh, it's a new thing for me i uh, i will uh, discover uh, a new uh, a new uh, world let's say uh, with alpine and as well with uh, with toyota and uh, yeah, the car was fantastic in uh, in Paul Ricard. Um, it was better than Bahrain because I did uh, maybe twenty laps in total. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Oh, a lot uh, of laps in Paul Ricard. Yeah, yeah. around four four hundred, something like that. So yeah, a lot of laps. And uh, yeah, the the car feels good, and um, the team is really nice uh, with me. Even if I'm uh, the reserve driver, I had some. Uh, um, how can I say? Um, I thought at the beginning that they will keep me a bit apart because I'm the, the the fifth wheel, let's say, yeah. and no, I'm I'm like an official driver, so that's a good uh, a good thing for me, and uh, and yeah, I really enjoying the 
the car, the team, the teammates are really good with me as well. So they give me a lot of uh, advices and yeah, that's really good. Well, we saw the pace uh, last year in the Rebellion. Richly deserved opportunity and, you know, what a rapid step up that ladder it's been for you from LMP3 in Asia, mm-hmm. um, through LMP2, into LMP1 and now LMP1 and LMP2. <laughs> uh, and then, well, let's face it, the Toyota, whatever else it is going to be, it is the fastest sports car in the world by a distance. Thomas Laurent, enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Good stuff. That's it. That is the uh, the field that's here, the 30-car field that's here for the FIWC Prologue. Um, it's a good-looking grid. Some disappointments in getting to where we are here today. It's sad to see SMP Racing, Stephen, not with us for the full season. It's sad, too, that Rebellion don't look like they're going to get the second car over the line. We're working hand-in-glove at the moment uh, with the uh, Team LNZ guys working towards their programme of making it a five-car LMP1 uh, entry. Let's wait and see just what emerges before we get to Silverstone. For now, I'm reasonably encouraged. This is going to be a a season bridging a gap uh, between an awesome era in sports car racing to what many hope will be another one. Uh, albeit in a very different way with hypercar that'll be about the look of the cars rather than the pure raw performance for right now plenty to look forward to it'll be interesting to see how the dynamics are actually handled with strength but not perhaps as much strength in depth in some of the classes here and actually a championship where we've got more pro-am cars than we've got pro cars now Uh, and that in itself is going to change the way in which for instance the challenges of traffic actually manifest themselves Um, lots of new Lots of new names, lots of returning names, lots of storylines. And, well, you and I and Marshall Pruitt, I'm sure we'll bring in a hell of a lot of those stories through the next 12 months or so uh, to our audience on Inside the Sports Car Paddock. Take it away. Yeah, we certainly will. And next up, we've got some interviews with various personalities around the, around the paddock. So without further ado, thanks once again to Cooper Tyres and the Justice Brothers. We'll speak to you soon. Well, I'm here in sunny Spain, we're at the circuit of Barcelona, Catalonia. I haven't moved because the LMS weekend has just finished, but it's set-up day for the WC cars ahead of the prologue. We've got two days of testing to come, and somebody I've bumped into first off is Gustavo Menezes, the, uh, one of the Rebellion drivers who's been, been with the team for a while now, and uh, it appears he's going to be one of the drivers who's going to be lapping in the two, one of the two R13s that they've got at the prologue. Gus... Welcome to the Inside Sports Car Paddock podcast, first off. Tell me a little bit about this week and what it means for you. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. It's always good seeing you guys in the paddock, catching up and uh, getting back to work. Um, obviously excited to be back at the track after Le Mans. It was important to have a little break, but um, still finding it very odd to be starting a new season in, uh, in July right now. Mm. Uh, just thinking about the small things getting media stuff done and just thinking wow we're shooting for the start of a season midsummer. but anyhow back to it obviously um excited to be back in the car and uh, it's cool to see new updates to the eot and and see what you know this coming season holds for for the privateer teams versus the toyota obviously and lmp1 and it's also exciting having a little bit of security for the championship which we were missing um with the announcement of austin martin's entry i think it's uh it's a nice kind of relief that those regulations finally came out. Um, I'm excited to be here. The car is always a pleasure to drive. I'm going to be sharing it with, uh, with Bruno Senna. So um, changing the little number around on my car, driving the number one uh, this week, and uh, we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, so obviously it's been a bit of mystery surrounding who's going to be driving with Rebellion, not only at the prologue, but this season. What can you tell us about your drive? Are you confirmed beyond the prologue, or is, or is that all that's, uh, all that's available at the minute? Yeah, honestly, as you know, since the end of Le Mans, um, it's been a very short period of time to kind of get everything sorted, but um, we've been in talks and things have been very positive. Um, obviously, the, the first leading factor is just getting back in the car in Barcelona and, and continuing progress with the team. And I'll be on a flight to uh, to Orica straight after this to kind of figure out what the ne- next steps are. But, um, you know, unfortunately, the LMP1 class is losing a few cars while others are coming in. Uh, I'm just hoping the best for, for myself, selfishly, and for the team. And uh, we'll figure it all out. What can you tell us about the team's prologue program? Because you've you've mentioned development work that you'll be doing with Bruno. Um, are we going to see the car looking radically different or anything beyond what we saw at Le Mans? Um, at the moment, I don't think we'll see massive changes due to that short period of time. We do have a little bit more time until Silverstone, so um, the team's been working hard and uh, making plans, kind of, to to continue the development of the car for next season. Um, at the same time, Bruno and I will be working really hard to kind of give them positive feedback and uh, and working on how we can improve the car and continuously close that gap. Um, meanwhile, in the other car, we'll be evaluating a few drivers. Um, at least that's what the team's plan is, just to try to kind of fulfill our lineup um, and confirm exactly which drivers will be where. Obviously, it's uh, it's always tough losing guys like Andre and Neil and even Thomas. Wishing him all the best going in to, to roll with Toyota and uh, and with Porsche and Formula E, obviously. It's a, it's an incredible deal, and it always looks good driving in white, so I wouldn't complain, but um, we'll miss them, and uh, and uh, the Brazilian Mafia will hold on strong. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, before about the fact that there's a little bit of change in the P1 class. We've obviously lost uh, the two SMP BR1s, but we've gained two Team LNT Genettas. You You've had a wander up and down this paddock. You're going to get a chance to see what those cars can do on track. I'm sure you've been monitoring the fact that they've been out doing a lot of testing. Um, for you guys, it's going to be a priority. Is obviously going to be seeing if you can get as close as possible and maybe beat Toyota a couple of times this year. But Ginetta's going to be a big bit of competition for you. Looking forward to it? Honestly, I am indeed. Um, we, we saw the, the Ginetta's testing uh, earlier this year in Motorland, and they were much more impressive than they were in the past. And that's also really good congratulations to them i mean coming through through the hard start that they had in the 2018-19 season and having to just drop out it's always tough and for them to persevere and come back with a car that's much stronger it's always great to see you know we need health in this championship we need competition and to be honest as a driver it's not racing if you're not racing with anyone that's why we've tried to close this gap with toyota so hard um because the fans want to see us racing the drivers we're here to race and uh and uh, hopefully our gap to Toyota closes and more than that Janetta you know gets a great opportunity to race with all of us because um that's what WEC needs right now we need racing we need uh we need health we need everyone supporting each other um that's the only way to really welcome Austin Martin in next year and and continue to grow and stay strong it's uh, in any any sport it's strong it's hard to stay at the top as the strongest championship in sports cars for for a very long period of time we know that, you know, IMSA is doing very well, and we're very happy to see that, but um, WEC has good plans. We just have to, to stick together and, and keep the racing uh, healthy. I think that's what's, what's necessary for, for all the classes. What was mighty impressive about last season was just how much the privateer P1 cars came on. 
um, during the year. The pace of them by the time we got to the second Le Mans 24 hours in the Super Season was astonishing. The amount of work they did behind the scenes on, let's be honest, budgets that are nowhere near Toyota's was incredible. Give us a sense of just how much progress has been made with the R13 since the prologue before the Super Season as to now. Yeah, um, honestly, starting the year, we struggled so much just with finding the balance of the car and understanding. Again, we're taking those hybrids, which are supercars, let's say, and getting our cars, which were LMP2 cars, and giving them every kind of drug in the book to get them to the same pace. That's just a a simple breakdown and explanation, but obviously then you run into small problems from reliability to easy mistakes that maybe wouldn't happen because we have to drive so on edge to keep up um but that gap did close over the year and in Le Mans last uh last Le Mans we were you know we were going head and head on some of the averages with the Toyota so that's already something shocking you know we did not expect that kind of pace so it's very promising obviously as I said uh, with with big budgets come you know come guarantees on reliability come less mistakes because of the practice and development you can do um not to say that Toyota doesn't deserve that. They invest that. They they deserve all the best that they they can turn out of it. I think we just have to to kind of clean up the rough edges right now and uh, and let the EOT continue to to evolve. Hopefully sooner and faster. I think uh, last year it did take a bit too long. In the last two races, we had some big big closes. Hopefully it happens uh, in a shorter period of time so that we can have a longer period of healthy racing where we're actually going head and head. That's what the fans need. So. Um, I have to say good job to to um, the WEC. Hopefully we can close that gap faster so that we have a long, healthy amount of racing throughout the season. We've had WEC prologues at place at Monza. We've had it at Ricard. This is the first time we've been here at Barcelona for WEC prologue. As a test track, what do you make of it? Do you think this is a good decision to come here somewhere new? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been in Barcelona for five years now. It's an incredible track. We all We all love Barcelona. I think every driver has been here several times in their junior career. Um, it's just different. I mean, we're going into a different part of the season. We're not going straight into Le Mans and Spa. We're going into Silverstone and Fuji and Shanghai. So I think going into more of a mid-speed track is going to help us test out our our higher downforce packages, which is what we're going straight into. Um, I mean, ideally in the future, I would love to see a prologue and a low downforce test day before Spa and Le Mans in the championship. I think that's what would be the ideal situation because it is such a long year but um, this track I think will complement the next few races Perfect, thanks very much for your time Gustavo and um, hope this week sorry, hope this week goes well for you Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me Joining me now um, here just as the cars are in the middle of the first session of testing is Vincent Beaumanil, the ACO's sporting director and Vincent, there was some big news yesterday regarding the equivalence of technology in LMP1 so we want to get uh, some reaction to that. First off, give the listeners a, just a, a brief overview of, of what was announced yesterday. Uh, the, the, the first thing is that um, we, we, we have been working on this EOT, you know, for one year and a half now. Uh, we have set some principles which were quite innovative in the past, and we have now one season of experience that during which we have learned a lot and during which I think we have reached a very good point uh, if you look especially the last races and especially Le Mans where the, in the end if you look the, 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 the pure competitiveness of the cars the rebellions, the SMP, the Toyota were 
at the same performance at Le Mans. Uh, there are other parameters that make the result in the race, but it's a very good step. So then we, we discussed with the, the, the manufacturers and we said, okay, we would like to go further for the next year and to create a system that is a sporting rule, which means that uh, we are not artificially changing the result of the race, of the sport, of the series. We are just making a rule which is the same for everybody, but that makes just the competition closer and give more opportunities to different competitors to win the race. But in the end, the best, we will see who is the best, but the best should win. Theoretically, with this system, it's what we have done. So the first thing we have done is we have evolved the starting EOT on the cars, which is we have increased the weight of the Toyota. We have aligned the number of laps per stint for all the cars, which was not the case at Le Mans last year. It was the case in Spa, but not in Le Mans. Uh, and we have uh, 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 made the refueling time of the non-hybrid cars faster than the, than the Toyota, okay? To compensate the, the quick start Toyota has with the electric motors. So this is the starting EOT we have. Then... Uh, we have introduced with, I would, I'd like to say, the, the cooperation of all the LMP1 teams and also especially Toyota, we have introduced this uh, success handicap system that is uh, based on the championship points. So the more you will have points in the championship and the more your performance will be affected with regard to the other competitors. What is good with that is that... Um, it doesn't allow a team to have some strategy to get some benefit of performance because uh, once you have a lot of points, even if you go slow on purpose on one race, you will not get the, some bonus at the following because you have already some points be before. So uh, it's just the points for the championship that will affect the competitiveness of, of the car. Uh, so we have defined that each point in the championship would interact in the performance of each car uh, by a value, which is still... Uh, we are finalizing the values. And then, how do we affect the, the, this performance is with different parameters that can be weight, power, uh, hybrid boost for the Toyota or whatever. Uh, and this, the technical teams are now working on, on it now to define exactly the sensitivity of each car, which parameters will be interacted. So we are finalizing. But we have approved the principle. Championship points will re rebalance the, the different cars. So it, it, it's, it's how it's uh, defined. Uh, and everybody has evaluated, evaluated and simulated that this system, clearly with what we can evaluate, is expected to give different winners over the season. Yeah, so it's a simulation. We see what goes on track, but it's clearly what comes out from our simulations. So you're confident at this point that this is enough, that we will see from the privateer competition we have real competition on the track, them fighting with the Toyotas and them having a real legitimate chance this time at winning races? Yes, I think, um, uh, 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 again, uh, it's not easy to compete with Toyota, not only because of the um, 
the technical regulation. Uh, they have, uh, for sure, a very strong driver lineup. They are very strong in strategy, in uh, their ability to adapt to the circumstances of the race. So they have a, a, a very high-level package. So And the other teams are very good, and they have made huge pro progress uh, last season. So I think it's the alignment of all these parameters that gives a chance to the other to win. But... Uh, On, the, on, on this side, yes, it, it, it clearly, uh, if Toyota has a okay, the, the, the EOT, the starting EOT is already rebalancing in favor of the non-hybrid cars, but even if Toyota has good results on the first races, quickly they will be uh, affected in their performance so that the other cars would be dominant for the following races. So it's, it's the way it's designed, yes. And there will be a Le Mans-specific um, pr process for the equivalence of technology. Give us a little bit of insight into how that will work. Is it going to be radically different to what we're seeing for the main race in the season? Yes, yeah, so the success on the cap is not, uh, will not be applied at Le Mans uh, because uh, it's the only way where we, f we feel like people could make some strategies to be very slow and not having points in the previous races just to be competitive at Le Mans. So we don't want to have this. But Le Mans, uh, we have a big experience now on the experience of the cars. We have seen in Le Mans uh, uh, that uh, we are able to have Rebellion and we had also the SMP car, which were exactly competitive as the to Toyota on pure potential of performance. Uh, So we will, uh, we also have realigned the, the fuel autonomy, number left per stint and pit stops, etc. So this will be in Le Mans and then the, 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 the proper EOT of each car will be defined accordingly to the experience we will have through all the season. So I'm very confident that Le Mans will be uh, very good, but we cannot uh, apply the success handicap because unless it's... It, The system we have now prevents you to, to play some strategies to have some benefits of the success handicap on the normal races, but it could be a reason to do it in Le Mans, so it's why we don't apply it to Le Mans. Leaving the, the success um, handicaps aside, will the, the rest of the EOT process evolve during the season? Will there be changes made, or is it locked in now for the entire 2019-2016. The idea is really to, to, to have the, the success handicap do the job. So that's the way uh, it works and is defined. So, um, and, it, and it's good because it, it's a kind of automatic interaction that doesn't imply decisions of people doing some studies. Uh, so it's the way, it's the way we, we, we do it. Of course, we have always the possibility to, to uh, uh, modify something that we would discover to be wrong at some stage. So if we need to do it sometime to adjust something that is wrong, we will do it, but it's not the original intention. Do you feel this, this raft of changes that we've got for this year maybe has come in a little bit too late? We've seen S&P obviously pull out, and they said that they felt, felt that they got to their... months ago. Yeah, but it's... But, people will so say and we have seen people um, fans in particular saying that this is maybe 
six, eight months too late after we saw what happened last year because we have got a smaller LMP1 class this year. If you look Fuji and Shanghai last year, uh, the SMP car was has been able to be at the same level of performance of the Toyota. So uh, I don't want to go too much in the details of uh, in this discussion, uh, but uh, I think um, you 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 had on one side a team who is there from 2012 as a reference in LMP1 and other teams coming with new cars uh, well SMP was a new team and a new car Rebellion had the experience but they just come from LMP2 and uh, arrived with a new car which had a, a nearly no de development when they started the season so, so we need to compare what is comparable Do you see the things like the success handicap and some of these principles that are in the, the EOT for this season going forward into 2020-2021 when we have the new hypercar class? Yes, the, 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 the success handicap ballast uh, was uh, one uh, uh, intention, but it was the intention before we decided BOP. We will BOP the hypercar class, so... Uh, it's not possible for you, for me to give you the details of what we will exactly have. It's under progress at the moment. I cannot tell you. One last question. Um, we obviously saw the announcements at, in June. Very exciting. We saw the regulations finalised. We saw Aston come up with their programme, Toyota as well. Now we've had a little bit of time to digest that and we have the regulations. Tell me from your side what the reaction has been like uh, since Le Mans. Uh, well, first, we have a very good working atmosphere with, uh, 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 with uh, Toyota and Aston Martin with regards to the finalization of the rules and the definition of the new cars. Uh, I really expect a fantastic battle between these two companies. This is the first point. The second point is that now that the rules are finalized, we have many, many contacts of other car manufacturers who are interested in competing, uh, evaluating the project. I think um, the base principles we had to, to, to adopt these rules were that um, there is no space today for hypercars in motorsports, which is a shame because it's the cars that make dream the fun and the car enthusiasts as we are, we love the hypercars. These cars are just incredible. Having them in racing, I think it's, it's a, a real chance for all of us. Uh, it gives an opportunity to, um, I would say, to reach more people because LMP1, I love LMP1. For me, it's the greatest car ever. But, but me, I was born in Le Mans and I, all my life was here. But the people who don't are not connected in motorsport every day, maybe they don't really understand what is an LMP1 car. When they will see an hypercar, they... I think they will feel and understand what it is about. So I think these cars are more reachable for a more global audience. And then the final point is that the, 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 the manufacturers have a real opportunity to do some marketing by uh, promoting their brand with the bodywork. So all these new opportunities are very positive and um, we are working. So yeah, for me, it's, uh, uh, of course, I would have... I would have liked all of this to, to start earlier, like everybody. But in the end, we have done it, so it's a great satisfaction. 
and we look forward to hearing more news as the months come on before the season starts next year. Thank you very much for your time, Vincent. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Joining me now is Johnny Adam, driver of uh, TF Sports' brand new Aston Martin Vantage AMR. He's here at the prologue to get the first taste with Sally and Charlie of, 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 that, uh, of that brand new gorgeous red Vantage here. Um, Johnny, give us a, a sense of just how important this prologue is for the team. Yeah, it's good. I mean, um, I'm the only driver here on the TF side, but the car only got delivered, I think, two weeks ago, so the team haven't had a lot of time to prep it pre-prologue. But already, straight at the box, good build by ProDrive. Obviously, it's um, you know this car and obviously the 98 car, the first proper customer GTE cars, and straight away, the car feels really normal you know mm. nothing untoward and it's good to have a couple of days for the team here as much as we've not done a lot of laps it's more of a extended shakedown here and system check it's good for the guys so now they're going to obviously strip the car apart check things over start to learn the car a little bit more um, so yeah for us it's more of a extended shakedown than anything productive because we have um, some more testing planned because virtually Sally's not here as is Charlie because obviously it's the same week as Spa so they're uh, busy today so we've got a few more days planned later on in August to uh, get these guys right comfortable with the car you know mm, yeah and just for the listeners at home that is so new I believe there's only literally a, before you started running here only a handful of kilometres on that car yeah it's a, just a shit I think we went I think Charlie had the honour to do it so yeah he went to uh, I think it was Brunthorpe and he only done like 50 or 60 kilometres so it was very very fresh and I think he literally bedded a few sets of brakes and checked over and it, that was it but again these guys have built a car for example last year's Le Mans if you remember Marco had the crash they built a car in like three days and put it on the track and without a shakedown it went straight into free practice and didn't even do an install lap straight into it so that's the build quality and the level that obviously these guys at ProDrive are building cars now and it's brilliant to see the you know the, the, the move from TF as well and Sally to continue in WEC obviously for them as a team, both him and Charlie to finish third in their first year on WEC, I think is a good achievement um, in the team as well. So now with the new package with the new car, obviously me joining them, they're way up to speed with GTE. And Sally's a fantastic guy to, to race with because he's not only fun off the track, he's very driven and serious when he is on track. And for him, WEC is very important, as is Le Mans, because this is the highest level he wants to race at because it's a world championship. So he pitches his, you know, aspirations to try and win this championship this year really high and I think we've got a good ingredients of drivers, team TF are fantastic at what they do really good customer team for Aston and obviously a new GTE that obviously as you've seen towards the end of the first year in WEC um, it was very competitive obviously winning two races um, in its first debut WEC season so I think overall we've got a good package <laughs> going forward Yeah, Dear listener I think Sally Yolick is going to be a name that you're going to be hearing a lot more about I mean Give us a sense from the program that he had last year in the WC, just how much he progressed, because he seems to get better every time he gets in the car. Yeah, Sally's. I mean, he's raced not a long time. You know, he's he's done a lot of GT3 racing. He's done a little bit of P2 stuff over the winter, but the GTE cars kind of seems to suit his style. You know, he sort of likes um, likes a car that has non ABS. But the great thing, even this year alone, he's actually done some good running in the GT3 version of this car. So chassis wise, okay, the engine's slightly different, but. You know, seat and position, driving the car with the controls, they're very, very, very similar to the GTE car. So he is, for me, way up to speed already with the car without even actually driving the GTE. Okay, there'll be fundamentals of getting used to the Michelin tyre, obviously non-ABS, but the actual basics are all there from what he's been doing in Blompan. So uh, 
Yeah, and you can see throughout the season last year. I remember watching him at Silverstone, where him and Char- uh, sorry Spa, where him and Charlie qualified on pole. Some of his laps towards the end of the year were very special. You know, you can not only deliver in qualifying. He's making less mistakes in the race. His averages are becoming faster and more consistent. So I'm really excited to to see Sally obviously improve yet again. But obviously Charlie's a, a fantastic silver. You know he's really fast mm. and the all round you know silver that really is good for the team. You know just, Sally behind the scenes really listens to Charlie and does a fantastic coaching role. This uh, Charlie with Sally. So I think. Um, it makes my life a little bit easier knowing that I have a really good lineup in the car, a really fast bronze, but a really good silver that is very good with the team, you know. My understanding is that you, Charlie, and Sally are in for the full season. Uh, last year was a bit of a rotating third chair. Yeah. Is, is that consistency a real benefit? Yeah, it's a little bit easier because obviously I came in halfway through the wet program and um, I was always scheduled to do three rounds and it extended to four and I had great fun we got I think what was it two or three podiums in those four races so it was good good success but now I think obviously with this step up in machinery with the new Vantage again the team second year in the championship etc I think as a whole I think we could all step up and really take the fight to to some good teams you know obviously there's an extended field this year 11 cars I think is brilliant for Pro-Am uh, for the AM class sorry and WEC and some good quality you know got some good lineups, um, especially Ferrari and Porsche you know Porsche has obviously had a really good car last year Proton are obviously looking strong again Project 1 are extending to two cars obviously a lot of good fast Ferraris and then you've got obviously our sister Aston car with Paul Delana uh, confirmed in the car so I think um, it'll be hard to beat these guys because obviously they're, they're obviously a very good team and good lineup, but it's um, it's nice to have a little bit of customer against obviously factory based uh, you know battle in between the Astons. Mm, yeah, because there's so much talk going into the season about LMP1, the status of that. We've got P2 with a bit of a tire war, plenty of good teams. GT Pro that's always got a spotlight on it, but GTM with the field it's got this year. I'm sure you think this could be the class of the season racing-wise, couldn't it? I think so. You see, you know, 11 cars, but it's the field and quality of all the manufacturers that are involved now. You can see Aston, Ferrari and Porsche are making good products that customers are obviously starting to buy and starting to race at ELMS, but more so this championship. So uh, am I right in saying it's maybe the biggest GT EAM class that there's been? Yeah, so it it's, um, it's good, but the strength of it, if you look through all 11 entries... There's some fantastic lineups of pros, silvers, and bronzes in that, and the bop's always fair. You know, I think these, you know, this championship there's a great, a great formula of how they control the bop, um, and it'll be more about consistency throughout the year. We have success ballast this year, am I correct? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the only championship I've ever done that in is British Touring Cars, really, enough way back in the day, and yeah, I mean, the championship have put this in place. It seems to obviously, you know, in ELMS. Um, it seems to level a little bit of the field out but I've never experienced it in a GT uh, formula so I think it will be an, an interesting one um, but in any championship I think even with the success ballast consistency on results is the key thing you know so as a team obviously TF we're looking at making the pit stops cleaner trying to improve wheel changes fueling of the car trying to get really in depth because the cars are so balanced on performance that drivers if they do a good job they're all going to be within a tenth or two so where do we make the extra difference well it's it's into the team you know so um, TF are already at that level and they're looking to eke that performance out even more which is good Johnny you're a star enjoy the season best of luck thank you very much well welcome green green. <laughs> green 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 indeed welcome to the show Lawrence Tomlinson the CEO of Genetic Cars and 
the team principal for Team L&T. He's here with both G60 LTP1s powered by the new AER engine. And let's start off, Lawrence, by saying it's it's fantastic to see both cars out for the first time since Le Mans 2018, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's great to be at the prologue. Um, we've only just, uh, the number six car as it is now, is just uh, we've had a shakedown here really because... Um, it's the first time we've fitted the AR engine into the second car, so uh, it went really well. We spent a lot of time yesterday uh, doing systems checks and faffing around, but it was pretty fast straight out of the box. We were, we were happy with it. Mm. Pre-season testing has, has gone pretty well from what I understand. I was at one of them um, to see you guys run at Spa. The car's been reliable. It's also been quick. I think uh, you've turned some heads here, haven't you? Um, I think reliability... Um has been great with the chassis all, all along um, you know we didn't get very much testing with the previous engine um, it's called motor racing for a reason and the, the motor we have now is uh, far superior to the previous one we had clearly it has a lot more power and it's also very reliable so it's allowing us for the first time to have consistent running with the car um, when we went to Le Mans uh, 2018 um, when Mike Simpson took the chequered flag, um, the car had never continuously run for more than two hours. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it was a it was a minor miracle that we got to the end. So I think chassis reliability was great, uh, engine reliability of the P60B um, AR engine uh, was good for us, and now we're on the P60C, uh, which uh, was the engine I believe that SMP uh, did the 24 hours and finished third with. So. Yeah, fingers crossed. And one of the other talking points and big focus of the the testing has been tires. Uh, we know that Michelin had come with with a new spec to sort of solve some of the issues that um, the privateers had last year with getting the temperature up into the front. So, so have they been, um, you know, as much of an improvement as as everyone would like? Yeah, we did the pre-season tire test with uh, Rebellion and uh, SMP at Aragon and uh, that tyre was a, a big improvement there in those conditions. Um, since then, we've actually got the uh, the, the medium tyre was working very well on our car. We made some adjustments, and now we're redialing in the car to the the new uh, new spec, the new spec uh, tyre that we're using, the medium uh, hot here, which is the hardest tyre. And, um, you know, Barcelona today is just so hot. Um, I think it's outside the window... Uh, you know, after after like eleven thirty in the morning, and maybe we won't run again now until six p.m. Just because the track's probably up at fifty degrees C. <laughs> Going forward, there's the, there was big news earlier this week with the equivalence of technology bulletin that the ACO and FIA released. Um, it's clear that they are trying to make strides to ensure that the privateers can hang with the Toyotas. Vincent Bomino, when he spoke to me, was a very confident man that this is going to work. How do you feel at this stage? Well, I was at the meeting, and uh, Team LNT are one of the one of the teams who would uh, have a, a vote to veto it if we'd have wanted to. But I think it's a great idea. I think it's um, I think it's actually uh, Toyota brought the thing to the table, which I think was very good of them. But also, you know, I think everyone realizes that we want to see a race at the front of the grid uh, in the top class. Uh, it's good for Toyota, but more importantly, it's good for motorsport generally and sports car racing. I mean, first and foremost, I've I've been a fan of uh, sports car racing for years. I mean, before I got involved with motorsport at all, I used to go to Le Mans every year and watch the watch the Jaguars run there or the um, yeah, 
not the XK150, the XJR things, um, silk cut Jags, uh, the Mazdas, etc. And it was always a good, you know, close race at the front, and um, and that's what the fans want to see at Le Mans. But also in WEC, I mean, WEC's a very popular series uh, from a spectator point of view, so they need a race at the front, they need to understand what's happening. And um, I think the ACO and FI have addressed the, the issues um, very well. Uh, Toyota are now allowing themselves to be balanced to performance, I guess, in effect, by, by, uh, by a third party. So they've, they've agreed to that, as, as Ginetta have agreed to be balanced, and so have uh, Rebellion Orica. So, yeah, it's great. I, I just, uh, you know, the, the details of it are, are all written down, um, but it's basically whoever's winning the championship points gets to carry some uh, some penalty where I guess whether that is a weight penalty or perhaps a fuel flow that will be down to uh, the ACO and FIA to decide on a suitable uh, method of slowing the the fastest cars down so good good for Ginetta for sure mm. and what do you think about the the composition that you are going to have in P1 in general obviously we've still got the two amazing TSO 50 hybrids um which we know what they can do and we know that they've done a lot of work in the off-season to improve their cars but Rebellion are coming back we don't quite know the extent of their programme at the moment but they'll still be there um, what, do, what do you think about the way that the P1 class is shaping up? Well I think the um, you know Rebellion Orica is a fantastic car um, our target is clearly to initially be quicker than Rebellion and be quicker than SMP and then to be as quick as Toyota I mean that's that's why we're here that's what we have to do we we know it's not a simple task and there's you know very there's a lot of uh, work to be done but the chassis is really good we've spent a lot of time developing the the car we've probably spent like over a five months period we've probably spent five weeks in the williams wind tunnel with the chassis and um literally millions of uh cfd calculations so it's it's a good package uh, we've mated it with the ar for the first time and we're quite close to rebellion if you look at the sectors and uh, we're not a million miles from toyota we are we are the Ginetta is actually quicker in uh, in some of the sectors so it's a case of looking at that and um, working on our strengths there's certainly a lot of time to come from the Ginetta because the other guys have been doing it for three or five years so our chassis testing really only started in anger probably six months ago and we've had nine days so on different tyres and it kind of rains and all sorts of different things but yeah we're, we're excited about it We've seen an array of driving talent here um, in the back of the garage turning laps um, as it stands how, what, what, do you, what can you say about the drivers and, and how the team will be formed I know we've seen Algarve Pro guys have been here running, helping run the cars where, it's all quickly forming we know that but where does it stand right now? Well the, the last point first I guess the you know, Algarve Pro have been very helpful for us because uh, it was the ELMS weekend here at uh, Barcelona um, so we, we arrived on the Sunday Monday to set up but rather than bringing all our equipment down here we've um, uh, used Algarve Pro's fillers and it's just logistically so much easier for us um, and we're using some of their guys to run the number 5 car uh, and do some engineering on it which is uh, it's nice to have some a fresh pair of eyes and uh, you know a very a very good race team looking at that car whilst uh, we do the installation on car number six and uh, run car six uh, with all our team LNT guys so it's uh, yeah it's nice friendly carry on in the garage the cars are turning good laps 
uh, we're working through issues and uh, around installation and things like that but uh, we're finding our feet we're finding a good base setup there's such a lot of time to come from the car we hope in the future and um, yeah we probably could do to go to a four post rig and uh, with with the new tyre that would probably be a, a good idea for us soon mm. Um, and drivers, have you made incisions yet, or is that some, something that's going to be announced uh, a bit closer to Silverstone? Yeah, when I answered the last question first, I did avoid answering the ah. first question first then, didn't I? Or the first question second, so you, now you bring me back to it. Um, I'm not really avoiding it in particular, it's just that there is no real major update to, uh, to give. I, I can say that... Um, We've tested all the guys that were here. So, you know, for example, um, Stefan Sarazan, there's, there's, there's a list of people who are here. Um, but we've also tested people outside of uh, this Barcelona prologue uh, who are interested in the programme. Um, we're going to make a decision in the next couple of weeks who, who we are going to put into the car for Silverstone. And we'd probably like that lineup to be a season long lineup, including Le Mans. We also, obviously, because we've got the two LMP1 entries, if we do WEC for the whole year, there is a potential to run a third car, so another team could uh, maybe even just do Le Mans with some really quick drivers and have another shot at the title, because three cars is definitely better than two, and we've got another chassis sat in the workshop at home. So, yeah. Um, all of the drivers bring a, a different kind of flavour to the team. Um, and you know some are quicker in different areas some have different levels of experience some have been with me since Janetta Juniors so, uh, yeah it's um, useful it's very it's very it's very good I mean this is the first time we've had a really stellar lineup of fully experienced LMP1 drivers and they have all absolutely loved driving the car because the car isn't trimmed out they don't feel like they've got a revolver to their head you know when they're going into a fast corner their back's not trying to step out it's a very civilized car to drive uh, so they've very much enjoyed the experience of driving it and everyone is saying that there's so much more time to come out of the chassis mm. um, you know in, in especially Stefan Sarazan you know he was here for just about half a day uh, had to leave because of some other commitments but you know when people like that like your car it's a it's a it's a fantastic compliment and an honour to have him in the car. Sure, there'll be plenty of listeners um, out there who will remember the Team LNT days from some of the earlier racing that you've been a part of in the, the early since the early two thousands, really. But it's been a while since we've seen them hit the track for a, for a major program. You must be pretty pretty pleased to have that name back out there in sports cars. Well, yeah, it's, that's that's great. Um, so yeah, two thousand and three and four we were running the TVRs uh, British GT uh, we ran the, one of the cars in the first part of the Synergy team at Le Mans the Purple Monster TVRs and then we had a full TVR program of VLMS 2005 uh, 2006 we switched to one car uh, I think it was one car one car program in ELMS and, uh, and Le Mans and 2007 we did, o- did okay and then we had two cars uh, Panos so 2007 then 2009 we returned um, to Le Mans with the Ginetta Zytec which was kind of a rebadging exercise but um, we, you know, I was a big shareholder in Zytec at the point so it was part of what we were doing um, so yeah 2009 but, but since then you know we developed the 
the uh, many cars along the way, many Ginettas, obviously, um, culminating in the G58, which is kind of like an LMP2 pace car for gentlemen, drivers or for track. Um, so we do, we've always been doing the, the testing and development of the cars, um, Mike and I racing all over the place, actually, in the G57s and 58s. So we've never been away, it's just that we've not had officially run the name uh, of Team LNT as an entrant so um, yeah it is really great to be back and uh, especially with our own with our own uh, you know fully in-house built Ginetta mm. thank you so much Lawrence it's been a pleasure and I'm sure I'm not alone in getting pretty excited to see what the G6s can do when we go racing next month at Silverstone thanks for your time as always and we'll speak to you soon thank you it's, uh, it's, it's going to be an exciting year for us cheers bye bye Sam Hignitz joining me now. He's the team principal of Joseph Spore and Jackie Chan DC Racing's LMP2 effort. Sam, welcome to the Marshall Pruitt podcast. Um, we're here at the prologue. There's so much to talk about in LMP2. Let's start off with your team. Give the listeners uh, some full clarity on the evolution of the Jackie Chan DC Racing effort and, and the fact that it's now kind of spawned into, into two teams. Yeah, so we've historically for the last two years run the two cars on behalf of Jackie Chan DC Racing. Jota are the team underneath it, the mechanical service provider to the brand, which is Jackie Chan DC Racing. This year, the budget wasn't there to do two cars properly, so we consolidated down to one car for Jackie Chan DC Racing. But it's freed up our capacity, so we were able to run a second car as Jota Sport, which is the car that will be driven by Roberto Gonzalez, Pastor Maldonado and Anthony Davidson. And you must be a little bit excited to get the Jota Sport name into the WC for a full season because obviously that's a, that's a huge part of your life and has been for a long, long time. Yeah, exactly. We've done the WEC on a race-by-race basis as Jota Sport, originally with the Zytec, which then became the Gibson over the years. Um, and we've won plenty of races as Jota in the WEC. But it's great to do a full season entry and have a go at winning the championship. What does this say about Jota Sport's aspirations in sports cars that they've got a, a specific team dedicated to them now? The aspiration is always to keep the Jota Sport brand at the forefront of the sports car field and to do everything we can, but it's very difficult commercially to make it work running under your own brand. So more often than not, certainly in our case, we've had to sell the rights to the brand to a third party, be it Jackie Chan DC Racing or G-Drive or Sharus or whoever it's been over the years. Some of the best teams in sports car racing, we might add. Um, P2 this year is, is a class that I think are going to have a lot of eyes on it. We've got P1 numbers a little bit down, so in prototype terms, I think a lot of people, again, are going to be looking to P2 for some of the big prototype battles through traffic. What do you think of the P2 field we've got this year? I think it's strong, really strong. It's probably, in terms of across the board, the strongest we've seen. Um, I think last year was quite difficult in terms of there was Alpine, there was Dragon Speed and then there was ourselves and the year before that there was ourselves and there was Rebellion. Mm. So I think this year there's a really good spread, there's some very good teams stepped up from ELMS. A lot of teams now using the Oroco chassis, I mean in fact the vast majority. So that initial advantage is waning although we've got more experience with the car than others and know how to get the best out of the car um, but it does look like it's going to be really close there's six 
at least six cars that can have a really good go at winning races there. LMP2 is the only class of a tyre war and I think a lot of people are going to be keeping a close eye on what Goodyear bring to the party and their resources. Um, you're sampling the tyres, I imagine, for either the first or one of the very first times here that you're going to be running um, in 2019 at Barcelona. What's your impressions on Goodyear so far, their effort and, and what you think they'll bring to this championship? I, I think they've turned up here with a, a tyre that's right in the ballpark and seems to be working very well it's very difficult conditions because of the heat and you know as we all know Barcelona is a very tricky track in terms of the way it evolves over a, a day during testing but the, the product seems to be good and we've had a long-standing relationship with one of Goodyear's partner companies Dunlop and so it, for us it was a, a simple question really that we just continue that relationship I think Le Mans this year was our 10th Le Mans on Dunlop tyres and so it made sense to continue the relationship and work with them to develop the Goodyear tyre and the product in four wheel racing. Mm. Well, obviously it's, it looked pretty simple from just looking inside the garage that you've made your decision already being seen as there's a huge Goodyear sticker on the side of one of your cars but so was, was there any um, consideration ever to, to sample the Michelins at least? Well, there was a brief discussion amongst the engineers as to what we should do, but then it's a, another factor is having seen the vast majority of the field go on to Michelin's, we've got to look for a strategic advantage somewhere, and we believe that will be with the Goodyear tyre. Mm. Strategy is something that's going to be a little bit different in as we go through the season this year. We've got more varying formats than we've ever had in the WC we've got Le Mans 24 hours, we've got the 1000 mile race at Sebring, we've got four, a couple of 4 hour races in there, we've got an 8 hour race does that excite you, the fact that we've got you know a calendar that whilst we, as many of the circuits we've been to before the races are going to be different lengths yeah, it certainly mixes it up makes it more interesting, you know the best endurance championship I've ever been involved in was the American Le Mans series and they had everything from an hour and a quarter race up to the 24 hour races and the strategic differences that that bought was what made it really exciting and some cars, tyres and drivers fare better in the short races than the long races so it gives you a real sway in who's going to be quickest each event you go to. Before I let you go I want to talk a little bit about some bigger topics in sports car racing and, and I guess the biggest one at the moment is hypercar. Um, and now it'd be easy for me to just ask a Joe to go into hypercar and could ask everybody down the paddock the same question but I think at this point um, one of the things I want to ask you is how you think that's going to impact LMP2 because we've seen that there's going to be a difference in performance from these hypercars from 2020 and it looks like the LMP2 cars may be slowed is that a disappointment if you heard any more is there is there discussions ongoing between the teams how's it all working no there hasn't been any discussions yet between the organisers and the teams regarding that I think it would be a shame if they slowed the car but I, I also think people need to not get hung up on average lap time versus outright lap time at Le Mans because they're two very different things so yes in the face of it maybe the P2 cars would need to be slowed down but actually when you look at average lap times there's still a gap to what they're proposing for hypercar and what a P2 car would do on average at Le Mans so it's not the gap we're used to which could make it really exciting um, but there is still a gap so I would hope that they'd just leave the P2 cars alone and let them race and be closer to the front than the LMP1 cars you know if an LMP1 car wins by one lap or whatever it is nowadays 12 laps makes very little difference to the spectator the fact that the cars can be closer in performance would be really exciting 
you're a stakeholder in this championship and you have been for a, for a while now. Do you like what you've seen with the way that this is going philosophically? Because obviously whatever happens to that top class has an impact on the rest of the field. Yeah, I'm very glad to see a decision has been made and there is a definitive set of guidelines as to what the top class is going to be now because it enables the manufacturers and the teams like us to get on and try and build our programs for the future Um, and I think the solution they've come up with is positive I think it's good it's attractive to the manufacturers it's a more sensible budget than what we've seen in LMP1 previously so it's more accessible to many manufacturers and some of the very wealthy privateers so yeah for me it's a positive step Um, it just remains to be seen how many people jump on the bandwagon Mm. final question then because I can't resist Joe Turs had partnerships with Armo Sport. Armo Sports had affiliations with Aston Martin, and in particular the Valkyrie project. Is there anything going on there in the background? Are you looking at it? Because we know there's going to be customer cars for Aston Martin. As Armo Sport, it's certainly something we're looking at. Um, there's no uh, no hiding from the fact that Armo Sport have said on the record they'd like to go to Le Mans, and there's no hiding from the fact, as you say, that they're heavily involved in Valkyrie and Aston Martin. So. And Jojo. And Jojo. So there's an interest from all the parties there. Obviously, we need to see what happens. Fabulous. Well, we look forward to seeing how it all develops and we look forward to the current season. Thank you so much for your time, Sam, and we will catch up very soon. Thank you. I've got James Collado from AF Corsa with me now. James, thanks for joining us on the Inside the Sports Car Paddock podcast. You must have a bit of a spring in your step from uh, the events that took place in June winning them all. Yeah, um, not that long ago that we won, obviously. Um, not much time to, to recover properly. And obviously for the, for the guys in the team, it's been a bit of a task getting all the new cars, new bits, everything ready for a new season. But um, yeah, looking at the car now, it looks awesome. It's a brand new car. And um, yeah, hopefully we can start the season on a high by uh, doing our programme, which we've got set for the test uh, over the next two days. And um, trying to extract a bit more performance ready for for a good season starting from Silverstone are you finding it a bit a bit strange to have to shift your focus to a brand new season at this time of year I know I am it is it's different um, it is definitely different because I feel like I'm halfway through a year almost or halfway through a season so it doesn't feel like I'm starting again um, however it is a new season and um, you've got to try and take that approach on board and and, and start from the very beginning GT Pro this year, a little bit down on numbers, no Ford, no BMW, but it still looks strong, doesn't it, with, with Porsche and Aston? Yeah, like I said before, it's a shame that they're, they're both out of the championship. I'm sure we'll see them back at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, even though there's, there's only three manufacturers, there's still six cars, and although it doesn't sound like there's many, it's a very competitive six cars. You know, you've got great drivers. We go to Le Mans, we had, we had an awesome grid there, so... So um, as a driver, I think you just need to go for the approach in that it doesn't matter how many cars are on the grid, you just do the same job every time and try, try and go and win races, and, and that's what's important. Is this a circuit that you think is useful for pre-season testing here at Barcelona? It's the first time we've been here, isn't it, at WC? Yeah, um, it's a good test track um, from memory. I mean, when I used to test here, it was normally in single-seaters, so I've, ne- I've only ever done one race here, which is, um, which is a blank Bain GT, GT3 race, so... At that time, it was very demanding, or it was very tricky. So it'd be nice to actually try in a GTE where we've got a little bit more grip. Um, I've not been on it since it's been fully resurfaced. 
I think I think it's been resurfaced. I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a good test track, and uh, it's got it's got a variety of corners which are quick, slow, and straight. So yeah, we've just got a program, and we'll, we'll follow that and uh, see what we can do. What are your expectations since this season to, with performance from the team? You've obviously won the world world title still pretty recently. It, feel, it feels yeah. like only yesterday I was, I was there when you won the title. Yeah, yeah. Won the mom recently as well. Can you do it all in one season? Yeah, of course we can. I think if you look at Ferrari's history or AF Course's history over the last few years, I think we've been the dominant force. Um, it was tricky last year with the new regulations. Uh, with the auto BOP and things like that so it was just another task that we need to manage and going forward from Le Mans um, you know success I think we can do a, do a good good season um, I think the key is consistency it's not just about speed um, and just scoring as many points as we can so I think we can do it and uh, I'm pretty confident On reflection what's now you've had a bit of a chance to think about the last season the Evo spec 488 GTE what are your thoughts on that package as it went through and it, and it you know effectively the results came late in the season didn't they yeah I mean the original package was absolutely fantastic but then unfortunately for, for BOP reasons a lot of it was taken away so at the end of the day I think actually we didn't gain anything we if not lost a bit of performance uh, compared to the previous um, car in what way uh, we just lost a bit of downforce I don't know if you can see but we've got no front flaps on the car so we used to have the front what do you call them like um, yeah like ridgeways which really helped and with those it was good but then they took them away and we lost a lot of front downforce so we had to change the whole way the car reacted the setup, the, the ride heights everything to try and compensate so we lost performance not to say that it's slower but for sure we didn't gain anything Do you feel like a specifically different car then of those changes yeah same car but different balance yeah a lot a loss in front aero thanks very much for your time james best of luck this season joining me now in the middle of running at the prologue on the first day is alex lind um, one of aston martin racing's full season factory drivers alex thanks for joining us on the marshall group podcast um before we get into the nitty-gritty of talking about the upcoming season, tell me about this prologue in particular. Is Barcelona a useful circuit? I know you guys aren't using the 2019 tyres. Is, is there much you can learn? I think, um, I mean, Barcelona as a layout is actually the reference for most racing categories all over the world. For certainly, in, Sorry, I say in Europe, certainly, whether it's Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3. I mean, sports car racing as well is the reference that most manufacturers and constructors use to to define their tyres, their aero, everything. So from that side, Barcelona is really the law when it comes to how good is your car. Um, so actually, yeah, I think it's quite a cool location. Uh, maybe a little bit more relevant than Paul Ricard. So from that side, um, I like it. Um, and yeah, we're day one here and um, just trying to run through our programme. Is it a big disappointment that you haven't got the 2019 tyres? We, from Michelin for this test John Gore told us that you wouldn't be able to sample the current, uh, the next year's tyres here at Barcelona I'm under the illusion that we do have a few sets not a million sets but ah, a few maybe it's changed since yeah. we spoke so uh, we've got a, a little bit so that, uh, enough to get a back to back feeling um, that, I mean that's under the I mean I believe I've already driven on them so from that side um, we've got a reference so did you notice a difference? 
Yeah, I mean, we've been working extremely hard with Michelin since we brought out this new car to actually develop very fast. Because we had to make a quick decision first time around with what construction and compound we wanted. Um, so, yeah, I've been quite in-depth with the whole process, actually, as the season's gone on, just improving. And, yeah, I think we've got a nice solid base. Is it a, f- a fair assessment to say that last season one of the big challenges for the Aston Martin racing team was getting used to the Michelin tyres with the new car? Yeah, certainly. I think, like I said, I think unfortunately we had to. The decision to switch to Michelin was quite late, so we did have to rush the process of what construction do you want, what compound, all of that sort of jazz. So from that side, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it was a rush, and I think we paid the price for it in quite a few races. Um, Certainly, the hotter ones, higher tire degradation. We, you know, we lost out to our competitors. There's no, there's no lying about that. Um, but I mean, it just made us hungrier to get it right this time round. So I'm just fingers crossed that it gives us the results we want. You did get your first win with Aston Martin Racing during the last season. Um, that must be a massive confidence boost going into a fresh start with 2019-20 and what you can achieve. Yeah, I think honestly, we we had a really nice run of form coming off of um, Shanghai we had it certainly in the 97 with Shanghai was strong uh, Sebring was strong even though we didn't get the result and then we won in Spa which was a real real relief because I think certainly on our side of the garage not just us as drivers but the engineering crew mechanics you know they put in a lot of graft and we hadn't got the podium and the trophy and the champagne to actually feel the success and then we won that mega race in, in Spa which um, honestly made everything worth it GT Pro down on numbers this year but it appears it hasn't changed anything in terms of the uh, the eagerness that Ferrari and Porsche are, are going to bring to this championship they want to win it just as much as you guys do what do you think of the competition this year because you have got some you have got two new cars in the in the class yeah I think um, the competition is as strong as ever I mean when you're racing against a manufacturer like Ferrari and Porsche I mean yeah, okay. you know those two names don't exactly uh, don't exactly come with um, come with any um, non-knowledge I say they, you know, they know what they're doing as, as do we but um, certainly I think the depth in the championship is, is extremely high still and I mean everyone's just as motivated to pick up the biggest trophy Is it a bit of an eyebrow raiser that Porsche bring two brand, um, two brand new spec cars considering the one from last year has just come off a five win streak five race win streak in Nimza Yeah I mean it's um, it's a new one for me but I mean at the end of the day I mean like I said Porsche aren't exactly a brand that mess around so uh, yeah I, I, I respect it yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform whether they can adapt as as quickly as uh, as you guys did and be able to win races in the first season with the car um, give us a sense of just how much you learnt about that Vantage AMR over the course of the super season because it was a long long championship it was. wasn't it that season yeah and honestly I can't really stress enough there was a lot of long nights and early mornings that the crew had back in Banbury with the car and you know there was a lot of long hard races for us as drivers slogging it out in the cockpit um, but you know the, the wins we took were dramatic enough and emphatic enough that it made all of that pain worth it you know whether it was the sister car in Shanghai and us at Spa honestly we, we had to dig so deep and stay motivated with some of the hard I mean but that, but that for me is is the essence is you know, you look at the competition we had, whether it was BMW, Ford, Porsche, Ferrari, you know, those manufacturers, they know what they're doing. And, and every single point and position has to be earned. It is not given. Um, and, you know, we, with a brand new car, with not a lot of testing, we, we had to try and dig out results. Because um, also, 
there wasn't a lot of racing to do in a short space of time so it was a big long gap so you know actually trying to get momentum was hard um, it feels like we've got a bit more momentum now because the gap between the yeah. Le Mans and this has been so short. Exactly, and, and that's and that's I think actually what the championship needs. It needs it needs more momentum. It needs more races in a more short space of time, and just get going really. Before I let you go, I want to cast cast your mind back to Le Mans. We saw what that car can do around that circuit. We saw it take pole, but we get asked frequently on the Week in Sports Cars podcast what it was that made the difference for Aston during the race because we saw it lead at the start but after that something was lacking was it purely the BOP change was it tyres was it conditions what what was what's the team's thoughts and what actually happened I mean to be honest with you the car has always been extremely strong in qualifying um, because you know to be honest it's a really great car but it's in essence it's also why it's very good in the rain it puts a lot of energy through the tyre naturally so it creates a lot of front grip a lot of downforce and it, it switches on the tyres really well so in qualifying and the rain it's lightning, lightning fast, um, and it has been all season. There's no doubt now. Yeah, we had we had front rows at Silverstone. And, you know, we didn't have it in the race. Uh, we had front rows, um, I think, on pole position in Fuji. You know, not fast enough. You know, we we gradually throughout the season improved that aspect of the car, um, and it became extremely competitive. Hand on heart, did we believe we had enough? To win the race at Le Mans? No, I don't think we did. I think we had good pace, but I think what Ferrari had and and some other manufacturers was a bit too much. But but in essence, I think we had a really strong case to have a good race, consistent race, without the BOP change. And then when that happened, then uh, yeah, I think unfortunately it was it was unjust and and not um not not right in my opinion. Final question then. I can't let an Aston Martin factory driver interview go without mentioning what we saw announcement-wise in June. You must have a little bit of a grin on your face for seeing that Aston Martin are doubling down on their efforts in endurance racing, bringing a hypercar program for mm. 2020. Yeah, I think we need to see how it plays out. I think um, obviously I'd love to to have the chance to win Le Mans overall. Um, I, I, all honestly I'm just really focused on I want to win this world championship this year and then if I get the chance to, to win Le Mans overall then that would be the cherry on the cake but right now I think um, all focused is on is on this and just for, to reassure the listeners who maybe love the GT racing programme love the fact that it's long standing that hypercar programme is not having an effect on what you guys are doing here currently in GT Pro is it? I mean from my side I don't think so I think John John Gore is the person to ask, and also um, the the powers that be. But from my understanding, um, I mean GT Racing is the bedrock of, of Aston Martin Racing, uh, and it has been for years. So from that side, I don't believe that will ever stop. Um, and then the hypercar can just um, complement that. Perfect. Thanks very much for your time, Alex, and uh, enjoy sunny Barcelona when you get behind the wheel. Thank you very much. Anders Fjordbank, driver of uh, High Class Racing's LMP2 Orica, is joining me now. And Anders, you've been here for a while with the, the ELMS race last weekend. There's a lot of changes in the team for your first WC effort. New teammates using the Goodyear tyres for the first time. Anders, how's it all gone so far? Very well. We're uh, really happy to be here, but uh, it's obviously been a long week for the team and uh, for me. I think uh, we have a lot of things to learn regarding the WEC 
regulations and the new tyres and the new drivers. So it's been a busy days with uh, meeting the, some of the drivers for the first time. Uh, Kenta San and uh, obviously I know Mark from uh, Asian Le Mans series. Um, but uh, for now it's been uh, really good. We have a lot to learn on the new Goodyear tyres and uh, we are really ha- interested to see where they will take us. Is it a seamless transition when you run in the European Le Mans series full-time to the WC? Because obviously you're running in the same class, in the same formula, but it's a very different championship and a different paddock atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So it's easily it's easy to get a bit scared of a world championship, but at the end of the day, it's the same drivers in the same kind of cars. I don't think that WEC is quicker than LMS. Some claim so, but I don't think um, Lapierre is leading the class in uh, in the cool in the LMS, and he's doing the same in uh, in cool in WEC. So uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, we just need to focus on our tires, uh, which is new for this season. It's the first time Goodyear is in the LMP2, so we have a really tight relationship with them, and uh, we are happy to. Uh, we are really interested to see where we can end up. One of the biggest changes for high class this year has been the switch from the Dallara to the Orica chassis. You've had a few ELMS races and, of course, the Le Mans 24 hours for the first time for the team this year under your belts now. Give me a little bit of evaluation. Has is it, is it been a, a, the step you thought it would be? Yeah, I think uh, we're actually pretty... We're really impressed by the Orica. Uh, the La has a lot of benefits as well, but the Orica is... Uh, obviously our favorite choice and um, this is our third race uh, here in Barcelona and uh, we have a lot to learn and we see all these small not issues but things we had to learn with the Dala this is all starting over again here with the Oreca so in Polica we had a massive tire wear way too much Monza we had no tire wear and at Le Mans we finally went in the middle and uh, we could we had a really good race pace so uh, Barcelona was a little strange weekend for us we had ups and downs we were really fast and we were really slow at some points but uh, I think especially during the race we have a really good package so at least on Dunlop now, we are we know where we are and uh, we are ready to fight for uh, some results. Obviously, the tyre testing is is going to be one of the key parts of this prologue test. But for those of you at home, may not know that high class racing is based literally at the circuit, right behind the pit lane grandstand here. Um, so you come here a lot. You've driven this circuit plenty of times. Outside of just sampling the Goodyear tyres, is there much else that the team can gain from these two days of running? Uh, yeah, especially our team because we are, uh, the Oreca is new to us, new to us so um, we can learn something I'm sure teams which has existed for a long time like Alpine tested the cars a million times and uh, they also ran the car for the last two seasons they have less to learn than we have so we just try to maximize, maximize our track time and uh, get as much data as possible may have come as a surprise to some of the fans of the WC and the LMS to see you guys on the entry list for the WC season this year. Um, how long was this all in the works before we saw the entry list coming out? 
Um, that's, it was a really close call. We just managed to file the entry uh, minutes before the deadline, so um, it all went from zero to a huge program and uh, and a massive step up for, for the team. And a lot of uh, organization work has to be done the next weeks, and uh, yeah, it's really interesting for the team. You must be hugely excited to be able to experience not only just the feeling of being in a world championship, but there's a lot of fantastic circuits on on this calendar, isn't there? Yeah, it's uh, it's mainly the the, the biggest change from the LMS. So at the LMS, you know who will be strong on that track, and uh, we are looking forward to a specific track because this is the one we like the most, and all this. But now we are traveling all the world and also that we don't have the possibility to test on the tracks before because you don't just leave, just take a couple of days to Brazil to, to do a test day so uh, I'm really interested to see where we'll file in uh, when we go to Brazil or wherever we're going so and for a driver it's always nice to see new tracks and especially these tracks uh, which is gathered in, in WEC they are top class every one of them I think there'll be plenty of attention on the team because you've got Kenta Yamashita embedded in the driver lineup. Um, he's here on, effectively on official capacity for Toyota isn't he as a, a sort of young up and coming development driver tell me a little about the background of how he's ended up at high class racing and how he's fitted in with the team so far yeah, we definitely need a bigger trailer with all the Japanese guys uh, uh, attending at our briefings. So, uh, no, uh, we're really, and I'm really happy to have him as a teammate. I believe there's nobody quicker than him, and uh, I know Kamui, he's super impressed by him. He's never seen a driver as quick as uh, Kenta. So, uh, That's Kamui Kobayashi. Yeah, so... I'm really interested to see where we are when uh, he gets a bit more time in the car and uh, we get the tyres sorted. So I'm really, really happy to have him on board. And to answer your question, I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, with the partnership we have now with Toyota, this will also help the team. What is the overall expectation that you have going into the season? Because Sure, we know you're a very talented driver. We know that Kenta has, has won and scored podiums in practically everything he's ever driven. Um, but you're one of the teams that's very much a pro am lineup with Mark Patterson, who's been around a very long time. He knows his stuff, but this isn't an effort which is a super silver and a couple of goals. Um, what 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 can you achieve this year? It's a good question. So it's a really good question, depending on where the other guys finishing. So we, we, we do we focus on our own thing. We do we try to maximize our package and uh, the three of us, and we obviously try to show the best and make the best performance that we can give. And I'm pretty sure Mark is a pretty good bronze, and there's a, a few other bronzes here. So uh, I think we should be able to do a, a pretty good result. And you never know with the you saw also another astonishing finish of uh, Dragon Speed. They won a race in uh, LMS. And to be honest, I think to win a race in LMS is uh, more difficult than winning a race in uh, WEC. So everything is possible.
Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time, Anders, and we wish you and the entire high-class racing team very best of luck for your first season in the World Championship. 